0: that is www.worldovercomers.church/podcast enjoy the message
1: we all said together amen abraham the law of business if i can draw your attention to the verses we just finished reading there in verse 26 where the apostle paul says hey brothers and sisters think about you what you were when you were called think of what you were when you were called Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. Have you ever been involved with someone who likes to rewrite history? Ever been in a relationship with someone that as time goes by, they just seem To remember history inaccurately as they start to tell you what happened in the story and you hear them retell it you start to think to yourself wait a minute that did not go that way at all I don't know if you've ever had that experience I'm sure you have I don't know if you are familiar with anyone that is that way, although I would beg to differ and I would contend that you are familiar with someone who's like that because you are like that because I am like that ever wish there was instant replay. No, you don't, because in your mind, you are the victim. But if we really watch the tape, we will find out that you were the villain. Why is that? It's because... And it reminds me of something that, we, that I studied when I was in college in my psych minor is because, and it's a psych term, I had to look it, back, look it up because it was so long ago I didn't remember it. But what it is is there is a, there's something that they call motivated forgetting. Motivated forgiving or, or <laughs> defensive forgetting. What defensive the forgetting is or motivated forgiving is, I mean, it's, it's just a part of your own natural defense mechanism. It's why people go into shock. There's just, there's a part of us that's suppressive. Our minds like to protect us from stuff that will short circuit us. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation in which you have forgotten something, and then something triggers the memory, and you remember something from when you were a kid, and you remember something from when you were younger. That happened because your brain has a way of preserving itself. Your mind has a way of knowing what it can handle and what it can't handle, and so it suppresses memories and suppresses stuff. We're all familiar with that. We all will uh, agree with that and understand that, but what I'm saying this morning is that the motivated forgetting, the defensive forgetting is a part of suppression, it's that Your brain can protect you from how blank you are. Your brain can protect you from how blank you are. Say it again. Your brain can protect you from how blank you are. And fill in the blanks. Your brain can protect you from how whack you are your brain can protect you from how rude you are Your brain can protect you from how guilty you are how bad you are how manipulative you are how stank you are How ignorant you are how I you are Your brain can protect you from that and so that when you go back and tell a story Of what happened in your retelling of the story, you are not as bad as you really be. I need an amen in this room because all of us do it and all of us have had relationships with people that do it all of us got a mama or a daddy or a cousin or a brother or a sister or an ex or a somebody that when they tell the story and you hear in that story you end up saying "Ah, uh, that didn't happen like that at all but before you judge it just know you do it your voice don't sound to you the way it really sounds. Oh, if you could hear how my voice sounds to me. Oh, my God. I just had to get used to it, watching myself on TV or whatever, hearing myself on tapes. Tape shows you how my age, tape, because I remember the cassette tape and the tape table. But, but I, I just had, because my voice don't sound to me how it sounds in my head. You can hear my voice in my head. It's a Barry White. It's a it's a deep thing. It's a it's a baritone that makes the bass makes the subwoofers tremble. It, it's not this little high thing that's going on in here right now. That my your voice don't sound to you. Your smells don't smell to you the way they smell to others. And your actions don't mean to you what they mean to the world around you. This has been happening forever. It is such a part of the human condition that every now and then, God has to remind us of actual history. Every now and then, God has to say, do you remember where I brought you from? Do you remember where I found you? Do you remember when you were in Egypt? Do you remember how I carried you on eagle's wings? Do you remember the plagues? Do you remember the Red Sea? Do you remember where you were? God don't do that because he has an he's an eagle maniac. He does it because we have a tendency in our human condition to forget Where God found us. And every now and then, God has to show us that he remembers. It's one of the challenges of being in a relationship with God is I may find you right now and start to watch your story from right now. There are people that know you better that were here for season four episode 18 i'm showing up season 47 this is your 47th season this is your 32nd season and you are in episode 91 and i am watching from now i don't know your backstory i wasn't here for your origin story but there are people that were. I don't know if I trust you if you don't have no friends from back, 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 back in the day. If don't nobody want to deal with you who used to deal with you, that means that there is a history of you that you're hiding from us. And you can hide it from me. As a matter of fact, if you come to church pretty faithfully and sit in the same section, and I, I know where you are all the time, Courtney, I see you back. If you sit in the same section all the time, and I look for you, and you nod, and you got your little wife or your kids or yourself, you're by yourself, and you wave and say, amen, Pastor Andy, I like you a lot. If you tune in on a regular basis, I'll like you a lot. And if you tithe, I'll be your best friend. If you give to Victory Park, I'll pray for you. you come up here and ask me to pray for you, just know that what I want to ask is, have you given to Victory Park? And if you tell me no, I'll say, pray for yourself. No, I'll pray for you. But I will really pray for you if you are determined to help me help you. I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll call Elder Paul and we'll pray for real for you if you're faithful Not hard to fake us out, but folk who knew you back when, folk who wiped your nose, folk who grew up with you, and God, God has a memory that goes back. It's real quiet in here, and I think I'm just going to stay here for just another second until I get a little bit of an amen. How about we'll try this. Let's try this again, brothers and sisters. Think of what you were when you were called. This is my third time reading the passage. Not many of you were wise by human standards. I need an amen. The Paul is saying, listen, I want you to stop believing your own hype and own your own crap. There's nothing worse than people who want to rewrite their own personal history and not own the junk you are from. If you have junk in your past, own it, baby, and be glad that's not where you are anymore. You got a baby from before hallelujah let us know we will clap louder for you if you can admit where you were when you were called where you were before you got to church who you were before God found you the Lord says not many of you are wise not by human standards not many of you were influential not many of you were of noble birth but God I'm so glad we have a but God situation But God has a way of doing things, and I like the way he do what he do. And one of the things that's amazing about about God that should make everybody in the room feel great, especially me, is that God is the God of the oppressed. God is the God of the underdog. God is the God. God likes it when somebody's in the low spot. God likes it when somebody's in the doubted spot. God likes it when somebody's in a situation where, well, nobody able to be able to get the praise but him. God likes that. God likes it. God takes the lowly things, the shame, the shame. God likes to take the weak. If right now you're watching me, you're looking at this little soliloquy, and you're thinking to yourself, I feel so weak right now. Well, if you feel weak today, I want you to know you are exactly the candidate that God is looking for to show how bad he is. Because God likes to take the weak to shame the strong. God likes to take the lowly thing and the despised thing and the things that are not. The passage says to nullify the things that are. I think this is an interesting aspect of God's character that I want us to acknowledge for just a second. And that is... God has a way about nullifying what is. This aspect of his character makes me careful to talk too boldly about what I know about God or what I think God will do or what I know God to do. Because God likes to surprise people. God God likes to look at what is and nullify it with something that's not. And I think that if we understand that, then we have a a clear glimpse into why I'm even doing the Sunday school stuff, why I'm taking us through the histories or some of the stories from the Old Testament and looking at these characters because what we're looking at is... But God testimonies. And I really don't know what's the point of us even even gathering together if we're not all looking to have a but God testimony testimony. Anybody got a but God testimony just so I'll know I was in this place but God I was about to do this but God I was about to give up hope but God they said I was sick but God they said I couldn't do this but God said I couldn't have this house but God but God made a way but by faith and this is how I chose to introduce us to this character that I want to talk about for just a minute and that is Abraham he's called the father of faith and one of the reasons why he's called the father of faith is because Paul and the writers of the New Testament want you basically to acknowledge that if you have faith you are of the seed of Abraham If you have faith, you are of the seed of Abraham. You have to understand what that means for people talking from this time. Because people from this time believed in nature even more than nurture. They believed they could track what you were just by your genes. They believed that if you are of a genealogical seed, no matter where we put you, you'll rise to the top. They believed in nature more than nurture. We believe in both. We understand both. But in their time, they believed if you were of the seed of David, that meant something reason why the Bible goes down and gives you all the genealogy of this one begat of this one begat of this one begat of this one begat of this one is because the, not, the Bible and people that wrote the Bible, the people that were inspired to write the Bible believed that if you could trace something genealogically to somebody, then you had a right to believe that whatever they had, you could have. So even if you found yourself in a broke situation, even if you found yourself in a broke environment, even if you found yourself in a a situation of less and lack, if you went and got your DNA tested and found out that you were a descendant of a king, in their time they believe that kingly anointing is in you no matter where you are. And if you just believe in That, the kingly anointing that's on you will change your situation because it's in your genes. What I'm saying to you is that that's why the writers of the New Testament made this argument that said, hey, well, if you have faith, then guess what? You can claim to be of the seed of Abraham, who is the father of faith. So when we look at Abraham and we see him as an example of anything is possible faith, well, what the writers of the, of the New Testament are stating is, well, then all you have to do is have faith. And if you have faith, you can claim genealogical connection to Abraham whether you have it by blood or not. Just by faith, you become a Jew. Just by faith, you become of the line of Abraham and now can claim the gifts and anointings and power that Abraham had and then have an expectation for it to be in your life. So in essence, the argument that I'm trying to make is you are of the seed of Abraham. You're Abraham's seed. You're in this room. You're watching me through this screen. You don't see God with your eye. You praise, you sang, you worship. You did it by faith. And so as a result of your faith, your faith makes you a seed of Abraham. And since you are the seed of Abraham, you get to claim the stuff that was on Abraham. Now. I hear from the excitement and the screaming and the shouting in the room that you are unaware of everything that is actually available to you through your genealogical connection to Abraham. And I'm going to resist the temptation to turn into some kind of black preacher and try to get you to shout me down for preaching good because quite honestly, I know what I'm talking about and I want you to hear me anyway. Understand that there is a mistake that has been communicated to you about Abraham. So right now, I'm standing here saying you to see the Abraham, and there's a part of you that's like, yeah, Pastor Andy, we didn't heard that before. But the reason why you ain't running is because I don't want you to run, but also because you don't really know who Abraham really was. Abraham was not a preacher. Abraham was not no prophet. Abraham was not a priest of the Most High God. He was not a Levite. Abraham was a businessman. Abraham was a businessman. So, Abraham's legacy to us is not just a faith legacy. It's a business legacy. A- Abraham's legacy is not just faith, but really faith for business. That applies to 99.9% of the people that are in this room and ninety nine point percent of the people that are watching around the world because you ain't in the ministry full time. And I want to forever, as best I can, curtail and stop the attitude and the idea that the only thing that God anoints is full time ministry. And everybody who's anybody successful in any area of business somehow decides that that means that they're called to full-time ministry. Understand, there's an anointing to do this, but there is an anointing for business. There is an anointing for industry. There is an anointing that's not just on the pulpit. And the reason why we don't get but so excited about it is because most of us were preached to and taught that anointing is just for church. But I would like to us to acknowledge that the first guy called by God, his call had nothing to do with ministry at all. God calls Abram and says, if you follow me, I'll make you great. I'll make your name great. I'll bless you so much that other people will be blessed as a result of connecting to Matter of fact, I'm going to bless you so much that I'll make you a blessing. If I told you God is going to bless you so much that he'll make you a blessing, what that means is not that God is going to put something on you and you're going to lay hands on people. What that means is God is about to do something so powerful for you in your business, in your finances, that you'll be able to be a blessing to other people. You'll be able to get something for other people. You'll be able to pay for other people. You'll be able to do stuff for other people. I want you to know that when God is talking to Abraham, that's what he's talking about ain't talking about church. There is no no church. There's no church services. There's no pastors. There's no first ladies. God appears to Abram and Abram is just about business. And so when I look at Abram or Abraham, I don't just see faith. I see business. I see kingdom. Pastor Tyrus was saying something in the, in the, in the an offering today and just I just want you to know, you believe us or not, we don't talk. He don't know what I'm preaching on. He don't look at my notes. He don't know what I'm saying. I don't know what he's going to say. I don't tell Pastor Tyrus what to say. I don't tell Pastor Tony what to say. I don't tell Josh what to say. I don't tell none of them. I, I, we all are here flowing together. When he said That this is a unique time. That you are in a unique moment for God to really bless you financially. I'm trying to tell you, I thought, oh my God, this is right in line with what I'm about to preach to you this morning. Because if you think that the anointing of God is just for ministry, you are sadly mistaken. And if you are somebody who's thinking, hey, how can I be more successful? How can I be more blessed? How can I make more money? How can I have more? How can I be in a place where I don't have to worry about everything from one month to the next? I would contend that the Bible is a great place to look for for that information. And I would contend that you have a right to claim it as a result of you being the seed of Abraham. I'm going to make everybody clap for that, just that you receive it around the world. Just clap for it. Just receive it. I'm, I'm trying to fix a misnomer. Maybe y'all never heard of Abraham at all, so it's easy for you. But for those of us who have been taught that Abraham was some kind of holy, righteous cat, it's almost, you, as you read the rest of his story, you really will be bothered if you expect him to be a pastor. But if you accept him for who he is, which is a dude about business and a dude about money and a dude about money and a dude that's about acquiring more property and a guy that's about how he can solidify his legacy. You understand Abraham at a whole nother level if you understand money and you understand business. And it's even more inspiring and even more encouraging if you acknowledge that Abraham is a businessman. So I want to talk about Abraham from a little bit of a different perspective. And I'm, not, I, I, I'm going to give you some principles that I see in here. And I, if you want a real, real business degree, go get an MBA. But I'm going to give you some basic perspectives that are connected to effective business. Let me give them to you really quickly. You see them in Abraham. The first thing that we see from Abraham, number one, is movement movement. The Lord appears to Abram and says, I want you to move. I want you to get up from where you are. I want you to get up from your father's household. And I want you to go to a land I'll show you. Because business is about movement. One of the worst things that can ever happen to any business is for it to get stuck Business has to move. One of the challenges even today of church business, one of the reasons why, praise God, I'm trusting the Lord is going to continue to bless us and is blessing us and will continue to bless us is because we are trying to be prepared for the movement that is the world. Church has a way of getting stuck in what was. And it's bad for business. There's nothing worse than business not being able to adapt. I was at my mama's house last week. She owns a house out in West Middlesex and in Pennsylvania and this cottage. And while I was there, I saw the trifecta. It was a TV, VCR, DVD player combined all in one thing. I remember when that was the height of technology. But the world has moved. And for all of you who still have a flip phone, you are on your way to being left behind. There are people who are not able to move away from the familiar. Let me give you a little bit of a a secret of success in business and being wealthy. And if you're going to have wealth, if you're going to be successful, you will not be able to only do the stuff you know. You may have to move somewhere you ain't moved. You may have to go somewhere you ain't been. You may have to try something you ain't done. You may not get there where you are. When was the last time you moved? If we're honest, we will admit moving is a pain. You got to pack. And then when you're packing, you got to figure out what you throwing away. And there's stuff that has survived the last three moves and you moved it into one drawer, into another drawer. And from that drawer to another drawer, you still don't know what it's for. You still don't know what them keys go to. You still don't know what that... Be- you got paperwork from three refrigerators ago that you just scared to throw away because there's just something about moving and you got to pack stuff and you, you dump one drunk drawer into a bag and then when you get to the new place, you dump that bag of junk into the new junk drawer the Satan, the Lord rebuke. It is where you move, it's
0: hard. If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast and learn more about W-O-C-C or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible.
1: After you've moved, you gotta clean. And then you gotta get your dolly. And then your back hurt. And then once everything's gone, then there's just the scrum. The scrum is the stuff when all of your stuff is out, all of your bags are out, all of your furniture is out, and now you're standing looking at the apartment or looking at the house, and you just see a wave of stuff just at the bottom, and you wish you could just light it all on fire. And what you need to do is sweep all of that stuff, because if it was under your bed for the last three years, It's trash, baby. Hey, you need to sweep all of that in and throw it all away. But that's not what you do. You get down and you start picking through stuff. Hey, you're like, oh, remember this? This is the picture of me when I was at Popeye's and I tried the chicken sandwich. Throw that picture away. You can go get another. What I'm saying is, is movement is hard. Especially humans. Humans are creatures of habit. All of us in here are creatures of habit. You are such a creature of habit that if you're not paying attention, you will drive to work automatically without meaning to. You go to Chick-fil-A so much, they don't even need you to look at the menu no more. They are standing out all the way out here with a clipboard because they know you eat so much Chick-fil-A that you already know what they got. That's how much you are a creature of habit. You know exactly what your drink is at Starbucks. You want a decaffeinated half-cated, half-calf, half-calf, matcha lot with the, so with the warm And I don't want any milk, but I do want whipped cream. I want oat milk, but I want whipped cream on the top of it. Do you understand that whipped cream is dairy? I really don't want any dairy, but I do want that little thing on the whipped cream. Thank you very much. Because I'm drinking oat milk right now, but I do want whipped cream. That's like me, I have a tendency to say, I love to tell people I'm a vegan, I love it. I, it's my favorite thing to do. Go to a restaurant and tell the waitress, I'm a vegan. I love to do this. I go there and say, I'm a vegan. And she's just like, oh my God, okay, well, this is great. We have so many choices for you, turn it over. Okay, we have ribs made with cauliflower, and we have sat, and we have this and that. And she goes down through the whole list. And then when she's done, I go, yeah. I think I'll have some baby back ribs and a side of steak. And she does a triple take. And I say, I'm a vegan, but I'm not strict. (laughs) I'm a vegan, but every now and then I have a little bacon, I have a little burger, I have a little chicken, I have a little cheese. Anyway, what I'm saying to you is, we are such creatures of habit It is difficult to change our patterns. Movement is harder than you think. Movement. Passage in Hebrews, I'm going to read it. Lord gave it to me. Hebrews eleven thirteen 13 says, all these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them, welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left or had been living in or were born in, or the generation that they lived in, they would have had opportunity to stay there, stuck. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly country. Heavenly country don't just mean in heaven. It means inspired from above. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. I have so much to say, and there's so much to say when I have so much to say. That passage implies that there are people who God is ashamed to be their God. There are some people that God's like, I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, I guess I'm your God, but it's embarrassing. I mean, yeah, I mean, sure, I mean, I'll take the praises, hallelujah, but y'all are embarrassing. The writer of Hebrews says, listen, there are people who are so foreign to the earth that God is like, oh, I'll claim them. And this foreignness, this strangeness has to do with the ability to have faith to lift your eyes above what you see right now. And to break your patterns and to get outside of what you normally do and get outside of your normal mode of operation and what you do on a regular basis and move. It's a key to business and most people are not successful financially because they're stuck. So when you say Abraham to me, the first thing that comes to my mind is movement, that the Lord called him to go to a place that he would later receive his inheritance, and he obeyed and went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Not only was it movement, but it was blind movement. Not only was it movement, but it was vague. Not only was it movement, but it was uninformed movement. It was a step of faith. Him going to a place he didn't know where he was going to be. And he lived there like a stranger because he was looking forward to something that he hadn't seen yet. People who are successful in business, people who are successful in life aren't satisfied with what they see right now. They're looking for something they have yet to see. I'm going to make everybody clap for that because we're living... In a world full of stuff that many of us would never would have imagined that we would have this. There'd be a tiny little typewriter on your phone, and you'd be sending messages to people. We never could have imagined it. When they first came out with a portable phone, it was big as your shoe. There was pagers. Get out of here move on. What I'm saying to you is somebody believed in something that you hadn't seen because Abraham and business is about movement. Number two, sorry, but the second thing that comes to mind when you say Abraham to me is money. I don't know why everybody got so quiet on the money point, but everybody in this room need money. I said, I'm in North Carolina. I'm in North Carolina. I said, everybody in here need money. No, 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 no. You, you got to holler at me a little bit better than that. I said, everybody in here, ain't nobody in here wouldn't like to wake up tomorrow and see a million dollars somehow miracled into, not not. At, Everybody in here is looking for favor and looking for a miracle and looking for God to make a way and looking for the Lord to open a door and looking for God to do something in your life. Everybody like money. No, no, I said everybody like money. I'm trying not to say love money because I know the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil, although to me it's the lack of money. But everybody in here like a money. If you open a card and there's money in it, there's an anointing on that card. Something happens on the inside of you. You think, oh, you must like me. It don't even take that much. $20 will make you be like, (laughs) woo, $20. Everybody in here like money. And business is about money. Now understand, Abraham, the father of faith, was about money. Let me show you how he was about money. There's a story in the next chapter in in Genesis that talks about, and I know it's a difficult story that folks don't really like to deal with because it's a little sketchy. But if you're looking at Abraham as a pastor, then it's a real problem. But if you acknowledge that he's a businessman, it's still a little sketchy, but you get it. Because in verse 10, it says there's a famine in the land. Now, God has moved him to Canaan, but it's a famine there because sometimes movement costs you money and sometimes you get moved to a new place or you start a new business or you're in a new situation and you broker than where you were when you left the last place sometimes you gotta leave a better paying job and go down to working for yourself to build to go 10 times greater you will never own your own if you funky about 40 grand You getting paid a hundred grand and you're a slave? It might not be a bad idea to bet on yourself and make sixty if you have the potential to make six hundred. But many of us are stuck with our Esau pot of stew, and we just want to eat the hundred. So he gets there. There's a famine in the land. Abram decides to go down to Egypt for a minute because famines are tough for businessmen he's in a new spot there's a famine he's trying to figure out yeah but I still got to make money he goes down to Egypt and when he's getting close he says to Sarai hey listen you are a bad somebody you are fine girl And what's going to happen is when people see you, they're going to say, ooh, that's his wife. Let's kill him and let you live. So say you're my sister, that it may be well with me for your sake, that it may be well with me for your sake, and that I may live because of you. There are theologians that in essence are saying that basically what happens is Abram isn't just afraid of getting killed, but he's thinking to himself. My girl is so fine that if people think I'm her brother, they'll try to court her and give me stuff. businessman businessman he figures well her father's not here i'm the brother so to get along good we're trying to get up on the sister they'll give me cameras they'll give me they'll give me things i'll get stuff and then i'll just bounce ain't no phones i'll just leave i'll just take her and leave Verse 14 says, Abram comes to Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman, she's beautiful, princes of Pharaoh saw her and commended her to Pharaoh, and the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house, and he treated Abram well for her sake, sheep and oxen and donkeys and male donkeys and male and female servants and female donkeys and camels. I know, I know it's sketchy because it seemed a little, you know, a little, it just seemed a little, I, I understand. If you're a woman, you're like, uh-huh, and what exactly? <laughs> but what I'm saying to you is Abraham got himself into a business deal he couldn't get out of. Did he expect Pharaoh to take his wife from him? Probably not. He probably figured, yeah, you know, they'll treat me great and I'll make some money in the time of this famine and they'll do that. And then after a while, I'll just be like, oh, she don't like none of y'all. And I'll just take everything I got and leave. But Pharaoh gets interested in her and goes into Pharaoh's house. Now, Abraham's stuck. And God has to rescue him from a bad business deal. Now, that may not seem all that inspiring to you. And maybe you feel like I've taken liberties with the text. And I am. But I'm going to tell you what. I need God to rescue me from some bad deals sometimes. I, I need the Lord to see that I was trying. Lord, I was just trying to make more money. You know I'm not trying to get my wife up. I just told them she was my sister. I'm trying to stay safe. But also, yeah, I mean, I did make about a million dollars in donkeys and land and oxen and and male and female service. I mean, I did get, I mean, I did win. I didn't expect Pharaoh to take her. Famines are inevitable. Number three. I know it got real quiet after that story. I know, but we we it's Sunday school. Number three. Third thing that I think about when I see Abraham is men. I'll give you these real quick. I'm over time. Men. Men. And when I say men, I mean people. Because business is about people. Business is about serving people and hiring people and touching people and needing people. And it's tough. To do business, if you have a bad attitude about people. Number four, when I see Abraham, I also think management, <laughs> because business is about management. And there's a story in in Genesis 13 that talks about Abraham and Lot separating and and because the, the, the land won't support them and there has to be this management thing that happens in which you have to know your limits and be aware of whether or not you are Abraham or Lot. And Lot... Is not a bad spot if Abraham's really blessed. And then number five. Abram and this law of business, and I'm done, is about memory. Because business is about memory. Business is about remembering where you came from. Abraham built an altar to the Lord to honor God with how much God had blessed him and rescued him and made a way for him. You can have a difficult time being successful if you don't remember what started you in the first place. There's almost nothing worse than losing sight Of what your original goals were. And to start so feeling myself. And so feeling my church. Or feeling my company. Or feeling my organization. Or feeling my money. That I forget that without the service. There is no money. That when I think about Abraham. And his anointing of faith. My prayer is that we will believe for greater and that we'll say, wow, Abraham was a man of faith, and he was a man of faith. That was a man of business. He was a man of money. He made some mistakes. (laughs) He did some things that maybe weren't so great, and God rescued him. And he is still in a relationship with God. And the favor that's on him is not just a favor for church. It is a favor for kingdom. And my prayer is that kingdom favor will come on us. Let me pray for you. God, I pray. For kingdom favor, God, I pray for money to come, God, I pray for business opportunities, God, I pray for movement, God, I pray for more money, God, I pray that you'll rescue us from bad deals, God, I pray that you'll forgive us for sketchy stuff, God, I pray that you lead us and guide us into truth, God, I pray that we will manage well, I pray that you will attract men and women servants i pray god that you will help us to manage the people that you pull to us god i pray that we will remember where you brought us from god i'm praying i connect my prayer to pastor tyrus god to where this service went today not just in this room but for everyone that's watching around the world god i pray that we will connect to kingdom resources That since the earth belongs to you, that you will lead us and guide us into truth. I pray, God, that you would multiply us overnight, supernaturally. I pray, God, that we will walk in great favor. Favor with you, favor with man pray God that you'll send plagues on the pharaohs that have us locked up and I pray God that you would rescue us from the famines of our situation I pray that you give us courage to believe I pray that you'd strengthen us to build a legacy that outlives us you lead us and guide us into truth And we'll praise you. We're always asking you that for truth. That we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. Thank you for living so big in us today. Thank you for your anointing that destroys the yoke. Use us for your glory. In Jesus' name, we all sit together. Amen. Anybody hear a word from the Lord this morning? Hear a word? Good. Can I get you to give? Can we give to the building fund? We'll be doing this building fund offering and uh, just taking up a second offering, just giving to the work of the kingdom of God. and, And if you paid your tithes, praise God. If you didn't, you can do it now. You can take a picture of that QR code, scan that thing. It'll lead you right towards our Victory Park. And we are on our way. We're on our way, about to break ground. Had a meeting with... With the construction people, they're giving us some last final drawings. I went in there, made a bit, a few more changes. Pastor Tyrus and Pastor Tony and my brother Joey and all of the all of the folks that are working behind the scenes, and uh, we're moving quickly. And uh, I was in there and got a chance to look at some of the final drawings, make a few changes. And we really are about to jump into this thing. And so everything that you're giving right now is going to Victory Park. And if you're brand new and don't know, we're about to build a building. We don't own this space. You're watching. We don't own these spaces. We have about 140,000 square feet of space that we lease here, but it's not ours. We've been leasing this space. Praise God for it. And right now we're about to build a building that's about 97. It's not even going to be as big as what we have now because we found out we don't need this much space. And uh, but we're gonna have a sanctuary about this size, and then when you walk in the door, there's gonna be basketball courts four courts when you first walk in the door, and then when you go to the right, there's gonna be like a cafe type place that will service the people that are at the courts and the tournaments and the practices and all the stuff with the Wi Fi. And then there's gonna be this children's space that's going to be in the back corner that's also gonna be for aftercare, not only amazing children's space for us, but also. Also will be its own uh, way to touch the community and and generate income. The Lord really has spoke to me about us building a building that we pay for more than just four days a month. I'm just going to make everybody clap for that. With us, we have a tendency in church to build buildings that generate a cost thirty days a month, and we try to pay for it four days. But but my believing is that this building is going to be a light in the darkness. I'm believing this building is going to be a place that's just open 24 hours, and there's no counseling center, and there's going to be an office. there. somebody able to walk in. I see midnight basketball leagues happening for kids in trouble. I see tournaments happening. I see guys being able to play, play pickup basketball. There's going to be a workout space in there. There's going to be a state-of-the-art sanctuary in there. We are going to globally... Tra- we uh, Our sanctuary is going to be uh, second to none. We're going to go to the next level because this has been a temporary space. You don't know it, but this is a tent. This is not the tabernacle. This is a tent. This is not the temple. And we have set this tent up, and we're about to break this tent down and get out of here and actually build the temple. And so, not only is it going to be a significant final home for our church, and uh, but not only that, and, uh, and it's on Miami. You go down to the end. When you get to 70, you take a left. If you want to know where we're going, then you can just go down to the end of Miami, take a left on 70, and when you pass the, the business is there, cookout, what not chicken place and stuff over there on the left you'll see a, 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 a billboard with my face on it, help us Holy Ghost and there's a forest there to the left and we are going to be building on that space, we own that land we're about to build on that space and it's going to be something that's going to be powerful and I need you to be generous in times like these and I'm excited about what God's about to do in us and through us I can't wait to see what the Lord is about to do here in the Raleigh-Durham area. So let's pray. Lord, I want to thank you for this moment. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for the worship service. Thank you that your, your mercy endures forever. I pray that you'll take this offering and multiply it supernaturally to the building of your kingdom. Lord, you know what's going on. You know the price of stuff because of COVID. You know, Lord, what concrete costs. You know what steel costs. You know what your people have. And I'm praying, kingdom, that, God, your kingdom would come and your will would be done. And you would bless your people so abundantly and so supernaturally that we will have more than enough to sow to build a work worthy of your name. Lead us and guide us. And we'll praise you. And we promise to honor you for what you do. Bless gift and giver. In Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together, amen. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes you, you can just sit tight for just a second. Let the bucket pass you. And uh, thanks so much for coming to worship with us. I know this past Wednesday we had some technical difficulties. Power was out with all the storms and rain and whatnot. And weren't able to do our show our Wednesday night service. But that that will be, will be showing Wednesday. It's an online streaming thing that happens on Wednesday nights. And uh, we've got stuff planned. We've got a celebration that's happening at the end of August. And uh, especially if you made a pledge and you gave to the building fund. You gave then we're having a great big celebration for everybody in the beginning of September. Late, late August, beginning of September, somewhere around that time. And that's going to be in your bulletin. We'll let you know. But there's just always something happening with us at World Overcomers and uh, back-to-school stuff, and our youth ministry is really ramping back up and really seeing some great movement with that. And uh, just always something happening with us. And you can find that out just by looking at us online. And, uh, or you can go to the website and find out what's happening with us. God is leading us. We're excited about it. Amen. Hallelujah. Will you jump on your feet let's pray together? Well, Lord, we want to thank you. And we want to praise you. Thank you for this gathering. Thank you for these thousand or so that gathered together, Lord, to worship you. Our children and children's ministry, our young people. Thank you for the thousands and thousands that washed around the world. Thank you, Lord God, that you're taking us to another level in you. Thank you. For these lessons about people that had a relationship with you. And we pray, God, that you would strengthen us to know that what's on them is on us. Now, God, I pray that as we dismiss, not just from this room, but even from the, the broadcast, that, Lord... The blessing of Abraham would be on us. I pray that when we put our hands to do, will prosper. I pray, Lord God, that deals will happen. I pray, Lord God, that opportunities will take place for us. And I pray that we will know. Show yourself strong and confirm your word with signs following. And as we always pray, bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people. Give us peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name we pray. We all sit together, amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming to worship with us this morning. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you. See you next week.
0: Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.